0: I want to begin tonight by simply saying to you that um, as this day was approaching and I knew that I was going to be teaching again soon, uh, I was praying because we had been teaching on the names of Jesus for a long time, and and I kept thinking, you know what, I, I need to change the topic. But as December was approaching and I kept praying, I heard the Holy Spirit saying to me that, Uh, that's a topic that is absolutely essential. Uh, The most important thing in the earth is the fact that he gave us his son uh, to deliver us, to give us salvation, healing, deliverance, and everything we need is in that great name, Jesus. And and so uh, as I continued praying, I heard the Lord telling me, don't back away from that teaching. There is still so much more about the name of Jesus. So, uh, I hope you don't get bored, but with everything that the Lord anoints me with, I'm going to do everything I can to help you to appreciate this great name, Jesus Christ. Um, So, as I get ready to get started, if you would simply uh, pray with me. Father, we bless, honor, and thank you for the privilege of a Monday night Bible study. God these are incredible men and women. They are men and women who desire to know more about you, who desire to live in greater intimacy with you, who desire, Lord, to live the victorious life. They, they are men and women who have made a decision in their heart that they might go through adversity, challenge, and, 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 and difficulty, but they recognize that all of their hope and help is in Jesus. And so they've made a commitment to Monday nights. And God, I just ask you to help me not to cheat them in my teaching, that, that you would anoint me in such a way that every word of my mouth and meditation of my heart will meet the need of your people tonight. And God, we give you glory, honor, and praise for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Family, um, the first thing is, like I said, every time I thought about changing it, God told me that there is power and purpose in the name of Jesus. And that um, every time I thought about that, I was so overtaken with joy and excitement myself about Uh, the privilege I've had over the last couple of years of studying this name that I realized I would be cheating you if I didn't continue along as well. So I I want to begin tonight where we left off. Um, We were looking at, um, when we stopped, we were looking at the relationship between uh, David the shepherd and Jesus the shepherd. And we had been studying about the root out of Jesse. And so tonight, I'm going to go back in that direction. And the reason I'm going back to it is that uh, I I shared with you a couple of three years ago when we started on this teaching that uh, names carried the impact and the weight of identity with them. Every person's name has some kind of significance. Uh, Historically, uh, many of us come from a tradition, especially our biblical tradition, where someone did not just name a child, but uh, they gave that child a name that identified who they thought that child would grow up to be. And and quite frequently, we saw that to be the manifestation in that child. Uh, in a lot of other cultures, the same thing happens. They they don't just give a child any name, but they give them a name that is uh, in, directed toward helping to shape their future and the direction of who they're going to be. I was thinking about a couple of people on the line tonight, and uh, the first person that whose name came to my mind was Brother Ernie. And I, I looked at that name and I've I got this understanding. And this is why names are important. Just let's check this out. Ernie Ernest is a German baby's name, which means serious and determined. Uh, I hope y'all heard that because everybody on this line who knows Brother Ernie Shatin, if you don't know anything else about that brother, you know that Yes, he has a great sense of humor, but if there is anyone that you've ever known who is committed, it is Ernie Chatine. So when I saw the name that says Ernest meant serious and determined, I said, my God, what an appropriate name. He lives up to that name. Anything you need, when he makes a commitment, he follows it from start all the way to finish. And so that name matched him. Now, I don't know what his parents knew when they named him Lee Ernest, but he's a very serious and determined brother. There are two Piper member family members on the line tonight. And that's an English name, uh, which is typically connected with music. Uh it, it, it's uh a name that was used for flute players. And as I thought about that name, uh the Holy Spirit just reminded me uh, on um, Sister Marlin's family, nothing but a bunch of musicians, drummers and keyboard players and other musicians. Deacon Piper comes into church with music on top of music and all the more music. And and it was such an appropriate thing to consider that that these persons have names that genuinely reflect who they are. I'm going to mention a couple other names from within our group tonight. And and then I'm going to get to the teaching about Jesus. I, I was thinking about Sister Tracy, and I was remembering uh, the occasions that we prayed and some of her testimony and uh, some of the things that she's experienced. And so I, I looked up Tracy's name, and I realized that uh, that name meant warlike. And let me tell you a little secret. I I don't know all of Sister Tracy's story. But I know that if God had not given her that kind of spirit that said that I refuse to quit, I'll go to war on anything that tries to take me down, tries to take out my family, uh, then Tracy probably would have given up a long time ago. But when I saw the name Warlike connected to the name Tracy, she's a warrior. She's a mighty warrior. Uh, Sometime Tracy might sit back and she might be quiet. But she's picking up everything that's going on. And don't challenge her because she will not allow the enemy to steal or take away from her anything that the Lord has given her. And so I thought that that was a very appropriate name for Sister Tracy. It never occurred to me that the name Tracy meant warlike. It's a male or female name, but it's for a warrior, y'all. And and, and we got a warrior and I'll miss then Sister Tracy. My wife, Pastor Joanne, uh, it's a common name given for females, and it is a variation of the name Joanna. And Joanna is the feminine name uh, a form of the name John, but it means in the Hebrew, "God is gracious." And and you want to talk about someone who is gracious? That is my wife. Uh, that that is a perfect description. Of her names are important, and when we begin considering names, uh, it's important for us to remember that God is very, very intentional. And when uh, he, we just finished the Christmas season, and and you probably read the story in Luke and in Matthew, and you you might remember how Gabriel uh, visited Mary and told him, told her that she was going to have a baby and that she was to name that baby Jesus. And that name Jesus meant Savior. It, it is a, a, a form of the name Yahshua or Joshua. And it, it meant to save, salvation, Savior. And that's who Jesus Christ is. He is our Savior. He is our healer and also our deliverer. So it, it was interesting when, uh, as you were going into the Christmas season, and we ask all of you to read a chapter of the book of Luke, one chapter a day since there were four, twenty-four 24 chapters in it. But you couldn't help but recognize that God is very intentional. And what he wants us to recognize is that he wants us to be intentional too. And my plan tonight is to help us to be intentional in becoming more intimate with who Jesus Christ really is, because he is the greatest love gift that God has ever or could ever have given to the humankind. And so we're going to continue working on the names of Jesus. I think I told you in the beginning there were over 300 of them. We've touched many, but haven't come close to touching nearly all of them. And in the last lesson that I taught, we were in Revelation chapter 5. And so um, we're going to begin working there tonight for the time that we have. I think I have about 15 or 16 minutes, and I'm going to get as much in as I can in that time. Uh, Revelation 5, verse 5. Let's read that. This is from the King James and then we're going to talk about it. Revelation 5 5 from the King James says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, have prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Uh, in Revelation 5 5, y'all, you probably saw two names that describe Jesus. One was Lion of the tribe of Judah, and the other name is the Root of David. Now, we've done a lot of teaching uh, on the David connection with Jesus, but I'm picking up with the last illustration that we work with in Revelation 5.5. And tonight, for the time that's available, I'm going to talk about the Lion of Judah. Uh, In the Eastern Standard Version of the same verse, it says, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Did y'all catch that? He has conquered. And I want you to, when you think about a lion, you think about what? A conquering king. He's called the king of the jungle for a, a good reason. There are not many animals in the kingdom and in, in, in the wild that would mess with a lion. And so that title that he has is an appropriate title as the king of the jungle. He has many capabilities. He knows how to hunt without being detected. He can take down huge animals. I, I watch wild animal shows and I've seen Uh, lions uh, take down elephants. Uh, Elephants are powerful, but the lion is so smart, so strong, so cagey, so able that he's not afraid of anything. No matter how big the obstacle is, he might move around and look at it from different angles and, and, and size it up, but he's not terrified and he's not fearful if if it is something that he wants to take down, he's able to do it. In Revelation 5 and 5, it says that we, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, and that he alone is the only one who is able to open the seven seals. Let's, let's look at some other illustrations of the lion and how it would be connected to Jesus. You might want to make some notes Um, because uh, time is a little short. I hope I'm not going to go too fast, but make some notes and we can talk about it. Uh, The next illustration is Hosea chapter 5 and verse 14. Listen to this verse. It says, for I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will carry off and no one shall rescue. We're talking about a powerful animal, uh, a lion, uh, a protector, uh, one who, if he sets his mind to it, if you need someone to, to, to tear down and to tear apart, Uh, uh, so that it can build up again. That lion is the one. He says, not only will he tear and go away, he says, I will carry off and no one shall rescue. Who in the world, in their right mind, would approach a lion who has just taken down his prey? Uh, That lion gets to have that prey with he and his pride maybe, but nobody else is going to approach that lion when he is torn apart and taken away or carried off his prey. Um, the next part, I'm going to go through uh, verses around Revelation 5. I'm going to read from the Living Bible, verses 1 through 14 from Revelation 5. And I just want you to hear this and feel it in your spirit. Verse 1 says, <clears throat> And I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. We're talking about the God now. A scroll with writing on the inside and on the back and sealed with seven seals. Let me just drop a note to you on that verse. Um, Typically, a scroll during that time did not have writing on the front and on the back. Uh, quite frequently when this verse is read, many folk believe that uh, there was so much there that it required writing on the front and on the back. Also, uh, scrolls during that time were not read vertically as we do. They, they were read horizontally. And um, to write on the front and the back really did mean that there was just so much that was in his hand and upon those scrolls that uh it took uh all the writing and all the scrolls possible and then he sealed them with perfection the seven seals verse 2 a mighty angel with a loud voice was shouting out this question here it is y'all who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and to unroll it. Now, we've got God on the throne, but we're talking about someone else that is around him and the only one that's going to be worthy to unroll this scroll, to unseal it and to unroll it. Verse 3, but no one in all heaven or earth or from among the dead was permitted to open and read it. Verse 4 says, Then I wept. This is John, the revelator, describing what what was revealed to him by God. And and he said, Then I wept with disappointment because no one anywhere was worthy. No one could tell us what it said. Now let's watch this. I'm back to verse 5 now. And and verse 5 But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop crying, for look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered and proven himself worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals. Y'all, listen, he said, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, one of the elders, and this wasn't an angel, y'all, rescued John from his grief by showing him As the one who has prevailed to open the scroll. That one is the one that we're here tonight because of. His name is Jesus Christ. This one was the great figure that was told all through Old Testament prophecy. In the Old Testament, he was described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was also described as the root of David. He was also called the Messiah of Israel and of the Gentiles. Revelation 5, 6 says, I looked and saw a lamb standing there before the 24 elders in front of the throne and the living beings and the lamb, I'm sorry, and on the lamb were the wounds that once had caused his death. I hope y'all are catching that picture. Who's the lamb? Jesus Christ. on the, when, when, when this elder was describing and John was telling us the story, he says, I saw the lamb standing there before the 24 elders in front of the throne and on the lamb were the wounds that once had caused his death. And then he continues that verse. He says, he had seven horns and seven eyes. Which represented the sevenfold Spirit of God, sent out into every part of the world, and and look, when he said, and I looked, and behold, stood a lamb. He was referencing an announcement that that uh, elder had shown him, and it, it it was striking because John didn't expect to see a lamb when he looked he was looking for a lion but what he saw instead was a lamb that's a a tremendous contrast that powerful lamb i'm sorry that powerful lion that one who is called the king of the jungle the one who nobody would challenge and who who had all manner of ability to to hunt and to 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 uh search out its prey tear it apart take it back. Nobody would challenge it. And that's kind of what John was expecting that he was going to see. But instead he saw a lamb and John even used a specific word. He said "A, a little lamb. And this signifies that this lamb was not just small, but was also delicate. Now I want you to, if you can picture a lamb on one side, small and delicate, and the powerful lion on the other, in this picture, the lamb is presented in a way that shows that it it, it as both sympathetic but also powerful. John described that lamb as as living because he said the lamb stood. I don't know if you heard that when when I read the verse but the lamb wasn't on the ground, he had not been overtaken, he was not defeated. Uh, even in the presence of the lion, that lamb was standing. And 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 the, the symbolism of the lamb standing was that he was not threatened, he had not been overpowered, and he had not been taken down, he was alive. Yes, earlier in the, the scripture, it talked about how the Lamb had the symbols that he had been a sacrifice. And, and you would uh you understood that it meant that at one time he had given up his life, but he was alive again, y'all. There had been a resurrection, and and he was standing, representing that there was life connected to the lamb. All the marks of the previous sacrifice were still there, but he was standing. And he was standing as a symbol of power. Um, Listen, I want to draw a picture for you. Um, Many of you probably, like myself, you like uh, sports. And and this is the NFL playoff time. And I was thinking about this as as I was uh, reading through this. You know, there's the Eagles. There's the Rams. uh, You've got the Ravens. You've got the Cowboys, you've got uh, what used to be called the Redskins. Listen, all of these are samples of ferocious beasts or people. Uh, even that the, the ravens and the eagles represents birds of prey. In other words, um, back during that time when they thought about power, they would conjure up images of ferocious beasts. And they would put them on flags. They would draw carvings of them in their furniture and in their buildings. And it was their way of saying that this is power. Every king wanted to be recognized as someone who was a conqueror and who had power. But I want you to watch this incredible but surprising picture from the book of Revelation. Revelation represents the one on the throne of the kingdom of heaven as a lamb, not as one of those beasts, but as a lamb. Why? Because, yes, he can conquer. He he got up from the grave. Death couldn't hold him down. But the lamb represents humility, gentleness, as well as sacrificial love. Family, I don't know about you but all of us have gone through uh, many different challenges. That w- many of us have been confronted in, with situations where we wondered if we would survive them. We wondered if we would get through them. We wondered if we would live to see another day. I don't know about y'all, I've been in those experiences. Uh, I, I've also experienced sicknesses that made me wonder. Uh, how long would I last? Uh, I've I've had surgeries and uh, going into surgery, if it had not been that I knew the Lord and knew how to worship my way in, uh, I might've been overtaken going in, but I I came out of them in power and, and I didn't go in in fear, but I went in knowing that I was in the arms of one who was able to keep me and able to protect me Even when I was out under the gas and and had no ability to defend myself, I had one who was standing by my bedside, protecting, guiding, watching over, making sure that the hand of the surgeon moved when it should move, how it should move, that it wouldn't move except according to the instruction of the one who was standing by my bedside with the physician. I commend every doctor to God's care. Whenever I go under their uh, care, because I understand that although they think that they have power as doctors, there is a lamb who watches over me and is humble enough and gentle enough to encourage me and to remind me that, yep, uh, though I was a sinner, he paid the ultimate price with his sacrificial love and that he would never leave me nor forsake me, that that in my most vulnerable moments, in my weakest moments, that he would always be present to encourage me through. Uh, that lamb looks as though he had been slain because he had the marks. And it's hard to describe what John might have seen, but this lamb, with the marks on it, uh, was a part of the judgment that uh, was referred to by John the Revelator in Revelation chapter 6 and was dictated to John. But through John, it brought us back to the Lamb who already had been offered as a sacrifice from judgment by taking the judgment on himself. I realize I'm I'm, I'm getting close to my time, so I'm going to wrap this up in a couple of moments. The the judgment that was to come upon the world that hated the lamb and all that the lamb stood for and rejected every offer that he made was taken anyway by the Lord Jesus Christ when he died on Calvary's cross. And when John saw that lamb with the marks of his sacrifice, but that lamb was still standing Man, when I I read that and I felt that thing and it made me jump in my seat because I I know what it's like when you cannot see your way out. I know what it's like when it feels like uh, there is no hope in the midst of what you're going through. But when I saw that and I recognized that that lamb was still standing, I hope somebody is hearing me tonight, no matter what you're confronted with, when the John saw the lamb, the lamb was standing. I want you to know no matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like, the devil is a liar. Jesus is alive and he is alive evermore. Tell yourself when the enemy is coming against you, the lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, he's still alive. He's still standing and he's standing because he took it for me and I don't have to take this. I have victory through Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sin of the world. Family, I didn't come close to touching all that I thought I was going to share with you tonight. I ran out of time, but if I leave this thought with you, no matter what you are confronted with tonight, tomorrow, the next week, the next month, we're just coming through 2020. One of the most excruciating years that most of us probably have ever experienced. And yet we're still standing. Yes, some of us, I, I know Pastor Joe and I, we've lost a lot of friends to COVID in 2020. Cannot believe when I sat down and started trying to consider those, excuse me, who we've lost to COVID. It, it, it blows my mind, but it also blows my mind that there are others that we knew who had it and they're still standing today uh we didn't have it we're still standing you're on this line whether you had it or not you're still standing and if you're still standing god still has an assignment and so what he wants you to remember is that the lamb of god is still standing when john the revelator saw the lion And all the power that was there. But then he saw the Lamb. And this description is that the Lamb stood. Somebody ought to get excited about that. Because yes, we've had some challenging moments. But that Lamb is standing on all four. He's still standing. Somebody ought to shout out, He's still standing. Thank you, Jesus. He's still standing. He's still standing. He's still standing. standing. Look at what you've been through and remember this as I close out tonight. As I close out tonight, I want you to remember. If you were driving your car, you got a large windshield in front of you. But just up to the right, if you're driving an American made car, there's a a small little glass that's called a rearview mirror. And I want you to remember that that rearview mirror is tiny. Because you're only supposed to glance at it and see what God has done for you as He has brought you through what's behind you and is moving you toward the promise that He has before you. Look through that windshield, y'all. If you spend too much time in the rearview mirror, you're going to have a crash. But if you keep on looking through that windshield that is in front of you, what you're going to be reminded of, what you will see, is the Lamb. Of God, He's standing on all four. And, and, and yeah, they he was slain. We're going to talk more about that in the future. But although he was slain, he got up from the grave and John saw him standing on all fours. Somebody ought to shout victory right now. Because no matter where you've been, what you've been through, uh, we got the victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I I, I realized that I went a little bit over. Forgive me, y'all. Pray for me. Every now and then I get a little carried away, but we're going to cut it off right there. Uh, This is the time where we open up the line and we give each of you an opportunity to give your feet.